0: You know, we're, we're getting into this series about hearing God and, and, and learning God's voice, and often the miscommunication that often happens, and the, the translation of things that get lost, right, and, and, and our more common forms of communicating with God. And so it's, it's a great commercial on them. Um, it's really funny. So, hey, I'm Jeremy Pleasant, I'm the senior pastor here. I want to welcome you. I'm glad you're here, and I'm really excited. Um, to kick off the year um, with, with, with y'all, and um, before we dive in, I do want to just reiterate um, what, what uh, Kim was talking about just with our, uh, with our quick classes, um, just to, just kind of a quick note about those, you know, there's like traditionally in churches, you kind of have like Bible studies or, or like Sunday school, it's neither of those, those are all great. These are very practical three-week crash courses to kind of get you really um up to speed on in various areas that you can really take with you um, over time, so I, I want to encourage you to uh to 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 attend you know these three week classes and uh, so yeah I'm really excited about um, really excited about them and so we're starting off this series hearing god and 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 um you know there there are times when um, we i know there there's a lot of folks and I've been there too where you're just like desperate to like hear god's voice or you're just like there's something really on your mind that you're just really trying to figure out. And, and so I'm hoping that uh, this this series and today will, will help us get on a journey to actually discover discover something new. Um, and so in this series, we're going to delve into what it looks like to have a conversational relationship with God. And you know many people here would say, hey, I have that or I have a good relationship with God. Well, for you, we're going to look at what it means to hear God at a new depth, um, a deeper union with the Trinity, where God's voice will take on a new shape. And so this is something I'm really excited about because um, uh, one thing we're going to learn is the the depth of the ways that God speaks and that it's always fresh and it's always new uh, no matter where we are. And so now one quick thing, this series is all connected. And so we're going to be going over multiple things, but they're, they're tied together. So make as many as you can. If you can't make it, check it out online. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. All right, so in 1992, um, some sociologists did a scientific study around prayer. And they found that 78% of people in the U.S. pray, which is a pretty high percentage. Of the 30% that they surveyed who didn't have any religious or spiritual faith, one in five pray daily. And so these studies also found that a widely recognized, that is widely recognized that a major part of prayer is both listening to God and being guided by God. And so it's some interesting statistics as we kind of look into that. What's interesting to me is that people will indicate in a study that they pray to God, and they'll talk about that they pray to God with others. They will also indicate in a study that they hear God, but they won't often talk about that with others, actually about hearing God. And it's actually understandable, though, when you consider the notion that those who make any indication in our larger society of hearing God's voice, they're looked at with doubt, confusion laughter, or can be outright dismissed as eccentric or sane. Like, who wants that, right? And yet that's kind of the culture we live in. Uh, Lily Tomlin, uh, the comedian, she had this famous musing as she was talking about this. She said, why is it that when we speak to God, we are said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we are said to be schizophrenic? <laughs> and it's, it's true, right? Like, why is, that, why is it seen as so weird when we say I hear God, and so and and with those, with that kind of cultural stigma, it's then more difficult to actually have a conversational relationship with God, right? I remember, and and like you can talk about it. Like I remember I was watching, I was at a mechanic or somewhere, you know, daytime TV on as one of the court shows. It was like Judge Joe or somebody, right? This was years ago, and um, so they're like giving their, their their cases. You know, these are civilians, right? Not lawyers, so anything can happen. Um, and this one woman is like. Presenting her case, and she's like, well, and the Holy Spirit told me to do this. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. You can't say that in public. I was like, you're going to get, they're not going to believe anything you say. And sure enough, that's what happened, right? And so we have this stigma in our culture where it's like you can't actually have a regular relation outside of your community um, about actually hearing God's voice. And that has an impact. And yet, as we will see, hearing God speak to us is actually really commonplace. And it goes much deeper than we might actually think. It's also important to address a common barrier and a common overstep. This barrier I'm talking about is to a teaching and a belief system that started a few hundred years ago. And it's, and it's much less now, it's pretty minimal, but it still affects many people, especially those in our part of the country. Um, and this is the idea. The idea is God does not speak anymore. He said everything he had to say in scripture... And anything from God outside of those specific words in Scripture is heresy, and not from Him. And so, if you had that paradigm growing up, it would be understandable that if um, that if I would say talking about hearing God, you would consider that like unthinkable, right? And so, I want to name kind of that that paradigm because it's really important to understand that, and and we're going to address that. And so, the other side of it, the common overstep, is is that hearing God speak to me is the same as, and contains the same authority as scripture or even God himself. Often those who have experienced the joy of being able to hear God can overreach providing guidance and direction in a way that God never intended. You know, it happens because we're human, but there's too often we've seen, and, and we've heard stories, and we've seen, you know, various episodes, and maybe some of the experience where it's just like, Leaders or, or people will just declare that you know, God told me this, and if you don't do this, you're not listening to God. And like that is so unbiblical <laughs> that it's just it's, it's not even funny. Like that is a it, it's it's a common and very large crossing over of the line. <laughs> and so, because while we while God does speak to us and is in in, uh, in community with us, and even as uh, leaders, you know you would expect your leaders to hear from God. It is still not the same as, as authority as God or as Scripture. Because there's one problem, we're human, we're fallible, things get lost in translation. And so, there's all these nuances that we have to work through as we're learning, as one side, as we're learning to hear God's voice, and on the other side, as we're growing deeper into him, there's much more nuance than we often understand. And so, it's my desire to take our whole community down a path of experience and understanding. And so often God can seem like a, an intangible, distant entity. And uh, I hope that throughout this series that he's going to become more like a friend. Um, there's just so much life and riches of it when we can experience this, this depth of just having a God as a friend and where his voice just becomes natural. And so as we get into that, I want to name some, some, some phrases, some understandings, and some terminology that is often used in Christianity when we talk about hearing God's voice. And these are all relevant and true and common. And so some use the phrase getting a word. Um, some refer to hearing God as an impression and, and, and kind of their, their soul or a sense, an inner voice. Um, some, though not uh, often, uh, hear even an audible voice. Many Christians devout, though, um, have not experienced this, which is why I want to name those things, because if, if you're like one of those who are like, who have heard those things, and you feel like you want that, but you all, it's easy to feel like you're on the outside looking in. And I don't want that to be the case on um, this series, because that's only one, ex- one experience. And so, but at the core of a lot of the questions we have for God is, is what's God's will for my life? You know, that's a lot of times what we're just, what we're looking for. What is his will for my life? What is my destiny? Why am I here? And often these questions are answered by followers of Christ by seeking a direct answer to a direct question, right? We're like, okay, what's my purpose, God? Tell me what I'm supposed to do. But more often than not, we're like, we're, we're looking for a blueprint, right, that we can follow every day. At least I know I am. I love blueprints. I love plans. I love to know exactly what needs to happen every day, what my expectations are every single day, then I know I'm good, right? I don't know, maybe it's just me, I don't know. But it's just like, I'm the only one that, that, that has this struggle. <laughs> but that's what it is, like, I love that blueprint. I love to know what I need and what is expected of me. But God just never gives me the blueprint. he gives like, like a little corner off of it just for tomorrow, and that's it. And it's just like, that's really frustrating. And so what do we do with that? Now, one of the first things we need to begin to understand is that God speaks in many forms. Now, it's natural to assume our own experience is the only way, or even the best way, that God speaks. But our experience, even if many people around you express the same thing, is very limited when compared to the vastness of God's interaction with his creation. And so this is the thing, it's a, it's a natural sociological cultural phenomenon, okay? How we experience things and with those around us, we assume this is the way. This is the best way. Anything else, we kind of dismiss. And it's not out of any kind of intention, it's just a it, it's just a sociological, natural thing that happens, okay? we think our way is best. And so what happens is we end up projecting our way and our type of a relationship with God onto others where he may have a different kind of relationship with him. And so we can't project that because we see in scripture God speaks in all kinds of ways. And so our way is just, is only one way. It's like, so when I was a kid, my, my mom, whenever we had meat, especially red meat, she, uh, she liked things well done. And for her, well done means burnt. Okay? And and so that was all I knew. Like, yeah, this this is how you cook, this is how meat tastes. This is how you make meat. Like, even when we went to like Burger King, which like the only way to have it is well done, she would still say well done, like at the order, like we used to wanna whopper, well done. It's like that's just what it is. And then in my twenties, uh, a friend took me out and we had grabbed some steak and He ordered it medium rare, and I'm like, what is that? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I want to try that. I was like, oh, my gosh. There's another way. There's a better way. It tastes so good. Mom, what did you do to me? Like, I didn't know there was another way to eat meat. And it's so good now, and I love it. And I want more of it. But the same thing with in our relationship with God. There's so many ways. And there's so much more for us, no matter where we are. You know, in thousands of years of Jewish and Christian history, we have heard countless stories and encounters of people hearing God. There are too many to discount. There's There's just too many stories and accounts of people hearing God for us to say, that it doesn't happen anymore. Like even one, so one of the parts of Christianity that I was talking about earlier that says that God doesn't speak anymore today, recently they, they, they came out and said, okay, there's too much evidence. God does speak today. <laughs> it was just like there's too much to say that God doesn't speak anymore. And it happens too often for us to not think that it's commonplace. Like it's way too often for it to not to be regular. And as we look at scripture, we can see that God speaks in many ways. From loud, booming voices to small, still encounters, to visions and dreams, and, and, and much more. But what's more is that we see that God has intimate relationship with his creation. And that's the key. Let's look at Exodus 29. There also I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar, and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to serve me as priest. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am their Lord, their God, who brought them out of Egypt, so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord, their God. In the beginning, God walked with Adam and Eve. He he spent time with them. In Exodus here, with Israelites, he dwells with them. He lives with them. He says, I am their God. It's like, and I want you to almost think of it like in a more, you know, in a more romantic setting. It's like, I am yours. You are mine. We're together. This is the kind of relationship that God wants. Look at Proverbs eighteen twenty-four. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer to, closer to, than a brother. And the friend here in this proverb is very clear. God calls us friends. He considers us friends and desires friendship with us. You know, one of the biggest like cultural clashes of like Americans and many other cultures is that in America, we we don't like to talk around things. We kind of just get straight to the point. Tell me what I need to do and let's go do it, right? We ain't got to have a conversation about it, let's just get it done, right? Like that's, that's our culture, right? It's just, it's very direct. And, and <laughs> most other cultures aren't actually like that. And so when you have that, that disconnect of like you're trying to just get information and the other person is trying to have a conversation, <laughs> you can see why there can be like relational issues. And so it's actually pretty common the thing is, we often do the same thing with God. You know, we, we're pretty direct. Tell me what I need to know so I can do it and we can move on. We ain't got to talk about this, just tell me what I need to do, <laughs> right? But the thing is, our basis for hearing God is found in our friendship with God. Too often, the inability to hear God hear from God has been attributed 100% to a lack of faith or a sign of immaturity. But what what if it goes far deeper than that? What if we have much more to learn and practice? What if those who haven't heard from God aren't actually broken? Like imagine turning on a radio and all you hear is white noise. Well, you can think one thing, oh, my radio's broken. Or you can think, hey, maybe let me just turn to another frequency oh look it's working so I contend that the issue is not a brokenness a a lack of faith or an immaturity but that we just have to learn how God is speaking to us individually did you ever have I know I have I know many of you have I hope everyone has had this but did you ever have that teacher or that coach growing up that just meant everything to you Like, they didn't just teach the material, they they taught you about life. Did any of you have that teacher? Yeah. You remember what that's like, right? They cared for you. They looked out for you. And what you learned went way beyond the classroom. You remember that? So when you went to most of your teachers, you had to get something, right? You had to talk about something. It was a grade, an assignment. But when you went to this teacher, the only reason was just to actually hang out with them. To be there. he just wanted to spend some time. You know, if a shift can take place where our main objective is not getting a word from God, but having a life with God, then his voice will become so much clearer and carry us so much further. Now, I'm not saying getting a word from God is a bad thing. There are times when we need that. What I'm saying is that it, that doesn't have to be our default mechanism for our relationship with God. There are absolutely times for that, but our default can be just a regular conversation with a friend. Let's look at John, and uh, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them the first thing Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Like, that's a powerful statement, especially since he was about to leave, right? Like, so, so imagine what that means, what that meant for them, and then what that means for us now, like, that he left, but he's not actually gone because he will not leave us as orphans. And he says that in the context of, he says we have this union, I'm in my father my father's in me and you are in me. Like, we have this, we have this communion with the Trinity to where we are living together with one another. This is the heart of Jesus that he wants his followers to have and to say it's possible to have this kind of union. And then Judah asks Judah asked a very key question. He was like, why, why aren't you going to show yourself to the rest of the world? Why just to us? I don't understand. Like, this is too good for the whole world not to have this, especially since you love the whole world. Explain that to me. And Jesus is like, because you're going to. Because I'm going to live in you, and you're going to. This is where it starts and having that conversational relationship is actually learning how to live with the Trinity. And then he talks about, you know, the love and obedience. And, and it's really interesting because it's really easy to misread that. But what he's is saying is like, it is because of your love for me that you, you, you're going you're gonna to want to listen to what I have to say. And it's through that as you, as you listen to what I'm saying to you, it prepares you. It gives you the space to where I can live in you. And we are intertwined as one. Y'all with me so far? Okay. I have a question. If two people are so intimately intertwined with one another, if their relationship bears a mark of love, bears a mark of love and care, it's easily reasonable to assume that they would have a back and forth, right? That they would have a continuous interaction. And so, like, if, if the way Jesus is talking about this abiding, it only makes sense that if he is abiding that we would be able to hear him and he not just hear us. You know, often it's like you hear especially in like in those hard times, like you feel like you're shouting out to heaven, like, and you're like, can anybody hear me? You just feel so alone, right? And just everything is so far away. And kind of that, that void can be daunting at times. And so as we can shift our focus from shouting to the heavens to talking to the people that are just right here in us, I think it begins to make a difference. I think then, even in our hardest times, even when we can't hear them, we can still feel them. Too often a relationship with God is thought of solely as an arrangement. I do this, he does that, and we're good. I come into the family, I say a prayer, and I'm locked into heaven, we're set. Yes. I'm not saying these things aren't true, but our relationship with God is not a business arrangement, (laughs) right? It's a personal one. And as he abides in us and makes a home with us, let's learn how to make a home with him. We'll look at something Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said that... um, can't remember exactly where. He said, those, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. Those who lose their lives for my sake will save it. Now that's, that's like quite the one-liner from him, <laughs> right? You're like, I don't understand. Like, so I'm not trying to save my life? You're saying that I have to die? Like, what is it, what, what does that mean? And so let's let's give some context to that. Because it it really affects how we approach God and then how we hear Him. Because one of the first things we need to do to make this home that we're talking about is address our motives in coming to God. Because if our entire motive, if our entire approach is about getting what I need, about saving my life, about getting answers. then we're kind of missing it. See, often everything surrounding our relationship with God is found in what I call like this future anxiety. It's like everything we do is like, okay, let me ask this question. Okay, I need, I need these answers so that I know that I'm going to be okay tomorrow. I need this answer because I need to know what to do here. Give me the path so I, can, so I can go down this way. Tell me there's all too many options. Help me figure this out. And there's all this anxiety. And so our relationship is based around getting rid of this anxiety and just getting answers. And look, that's me. I, I've done that. I'm not throwing shade right now. Like, I have done that. I get it. You know, we want and we need answers so that we'll be safe and secure for what's to come and to ensure we're making the right decision. But at this point, God speaking is more about a genie. We're rubbing the lamp like Aladdin and hoping Robin Woods is going to come out with some answers. Look at this quote by Frederick Meyer. He says, so long as there is some thought of personal advantage, some idea of acquiring the praise and commendation of men, some aim of self-aggrandizement, it will simply be impossible to find out God's purpose concerning us. The thing is, God isn't the genie. We don't get to rub the lamp and for him to come out. And he doesn't tend to participate when that's our constant approach. He will every once in a while, but that's not his regular thing. He's not going to just be moved that way. And so our motives need to shift. And as they do, that future anxiety will cease because we're at peace in the present with God. Now, this isn't about shame. Like I said, I've done it. We've all done it. But it's about a heart turn and being with God and not him just being an ATM, but a father a friend, a confidant in bad times and good times in joy and in sorrow, he can be that. And so that when the bad times and the sorrow come, he's already abiding and we're okay. Eli Jones, he's a theologian and missionary. Uh, He he helped describe it this way, which I really liked. He kind of looked at like a parent-child relationship. He said the parent can can go about raising the child in two different ways. The parent can either guide the child or dictate every instruction to the child. And so if the parent dictates everything to the child with explicit detail, what happens? It can actually stunt the growth of the child, right? Because that that child won't be able to figure out things on her own, won't be able to just think or or learn. The child can't develop if you're just telling her what to do all the time, right? Whereas if the parent provides guidance that the child's character can develop, then in that character, she makes better decisions, can resolve problems, and is off in a good direction. I mean, it's it's a powerful illustration because God does the same thing with us. He's not going to dictate everything to us like a computer program. He chose to give us free will, and he also chose relationship over function. And so this thing, if we can focus on our character development and see how God is actually guiding us and developing our character, we'll be able to hear what God is saying, see what God is doing, and be confident that we're in his will and walking in his purposes. But it's a a big difference, right? But we can make that change. You know, many of us have had these life-changing episodes with God. And they've been awesome. And we've seen that since the beginning. But it's easy to chase those moments, those highs, and for that to be the totality of our experience with God. There was this time when the the three, as they're called, uh, James, John, and Peter, were with Jesus on this mountain. And just this amazing thing happened. This transfiguration happened. Some, like, big-name guys came down to join Jesus. And it was awesome. I mean, it was one of the most glorious moments that they had ever seen. The next day, they go back down the mountain, and it's just a regular day. And they failed in ministry, and they're like, what's happening? Life is hard. (laughs) But the thing is, the reason why the disciples were able to do what they did, the reason why they were able to continue on was because they lived with Jesus. And while that moment was awesome, it wasn't everything And so when we have those moments, if we've had them or if not, our goal isn't to get back there. That's not our goal. Those are great, and there are times when we need them, but our goal is the everyday. Our goal is for God to become our daily bread. You know, there's all this language, both in the Old Testament and New, daily bread, living water what's the thing about bread and water? Not only is it your very life source, you need it every day. Not just once a month. And so, hearing God is going to become more about abiding with him and the development of our character than a one-to-one question-answer. And so, his voice at that point becomes for us that which he promised, a sheep that knows the voice of the shepherd. And I think we all want that, to have that confidence. Because that is, that is the paradox of, 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 of being in a relationship and hearing God is that we want it, we experience it, and then we still question it, don't we? Like, was that God speaking? Is that what he's saying? And that uncertainty can be derailing sometimes but as we abide as we develop our character as we live with him we're going to be so certain of it and it's going to come in ways we haven't even thought of imagined or even known let's look at some practical tips so look for a way to spend time with god this way in the way we just talked about just for the sake of spending time with him. Find a way of just being without any agenda. Take a walk. Take a drive. Whatever it is, just hang out. And during this, mind, take, during this time, take your mind off of everything else. Focus every thought on him. And so with this, you're going to have to be ruthless. Because about in the first 30 seconds of doing this, your mind is just going to, start spinning around, right? And so it, you have to take the effort to like, no, I'm not going to think about that. I'm just going to focus on just us two hanging out right now. Just us two. And then your mind's going to spin around again and then you're going to have to kick it out again. You're going to have to be ruthless with it. Like no matter what. Because it's like nothing's really actually that pressing. And trust me, I've had some pressing things in my life. <laughs> but that time with him, where you're just hanging out, when you can ruthlessly eliminate all those other thoughts, oh my gosh, it makes a change. And look, I say those things, take a walk, take a drive, because those things I do, because that's, that's a good way for me to connect. Find out whatever it is you need. My way isn't the only way. My experience isn't necessarily your experience. So whatever it is, however you need to be with God so that you can just think about and hang out with him, figure out what that is this week and do that. The thing is, it's going to take practice. It is not going to go well the first couple times. I promise you. If it does, great. You are far better <laughs> than I am. But it generally does not go well the first couple of times because building habits turns out not that easy. <laughs> but keep going. Don't like, oh, it didn't work. Let's try something else. No, just keep going. Keep chipping away at it. And as you do this, you're going to discover something new. All right, number two. Read Psalm 23 every day this week. And you're like, wait a minute, that's a long reading assignment. It's okay, it's Psalms, it's short, you'll be all right. So I want you to read this Psalm every day, and after reading, begin to search out what it means for this to become reality. Like, it's it's a popular Psalm but given the context of everything we talked about today, like I want you to read and say, okay, and in that time with, when, when, you're with, when you're with God, when you're trying to just hang out, like, okay, how, how does this become real? How is this not just something I'm reading, but how do I put myself in that story or in that psalm to where I'm, I'm having that same experience? Okay? That, that's, that's the goal for us when we read the psalm.